how does that look moving forward? How does the post-game handshake look? Yeah, shaking is, hands. Is that is gone? It's in his 60s. I, I don't think he puts <laughs> out his own tweets, if we're being yeah, I honest. I don't think like, he tweets. We've seen Lovey open up about some things, but I felt like he was really vulnerable and open. And for me, that was just refreshing to yeah. see. All right, welcome to the WCIA 3-in-1 podcast. Brett Barron's alongside Marley Weirda here in the podcast studio. And we were talking about what we were going to talk about this week. And yeah. then everything <laughs> broke out here on Friday. Lovey Smith speaks for the first time to Mike Tirico. And he has some very, very poignant comments. I loved what Lovey yeah. Smith said this week. We'll, we'll talk about that coming up. We will hear from Lovey. We'll play the entire interview, or at least the part that was out on the internet, from Lunch Talk Live with Mike Tirico and Lovey Smith coming up. But we want to start here today with the IHSA announcing it is its return to play Finally. guidelines. <laughs> Finally, something is out. It was supposed to be, what, last seven, ten week. days ago? Yeah, last Thursday, I guess it was. Yeah. So more than a week ago, there was word getting out that the IHSA was set to announce its guidelines and protocols to come back. A meeting with athletic directors was scheduled for Thursday, then it was scheduled for Friday, then it was scheduled for Monday, then it was scheduled for Tuesday, and then we stopped reporting that it was scheduled because <laughs> it was just like, okay, this isn't going to happen. The IHSA this week announces a statement saying that, look, we're not going to say anything else until it comes out. And this afternoon? Here, there we have it. Here we are. So let's get to a couple of details here. The most important parts of this, in my eyes, Marley, are that every school has to be in Phase 3, which we're clear there. Yeah. Every school in the WCI 3 viewing area is in Phase 3 of Governor Pritzker's Restore Illinois plan. So we're good there. The biggest takeaways for me after that, everyone that is participating has to maintain social distance. Masks must be worn if social distancing is not maintained. you got to follow groups of 10 or less, and that includes a coach. So I would guess that it's going to be you know, nine kids, eight kids, and then a coach to go along with those groups. And then you cannot do sports specific activities. So they're not out there playing catch. Yeah. Like they they're not playing seven on basketball. Seven. They can't. Yeah. They're not shooting hoops. They're not doing all these things that kids want to do. So they're only lifting and doing quote physical activity. They can run together. I loved running sprints with my team, sure. right? No, we they're not. <laughs> they're not excited for that part. I think the main thing that they're going to be excited about is just being together. The coaches yep. getting a chance to work with the kids. And I think that's exciting for them. It's progress, although there are a lot of restrictions. So after seeing these, and there's a few more things here we're going to go over, but after seeing these things today, this afternoon, Marley, what's your general reaction to the state's plan? Well, I'm glad they finally decided to uh, release the news or come to a decision. Uh, like we talked about last week in the podcast, we felt like, you know, this is kind of what the IHSA does. They make people wait and wait and wait and wait. And now that it's finally here, I think we can maybe, you know, take that weight off of our shoulders. Athletes can finally be excited to get back into the weight room I wanted to say oh get back on the field get back on the court but that probably won't happen for another couple months but like you said Brett I think it'll be good for athletes to just get back into the swing of things get some lifting in it's probably you know when you're you're on a team and and you're used to to being with a group all the time it becomes difficult at times to to be doing workouts on your own to do individual stuff like that and I think this is the motivation that they'll need to to get back into it and hopefully what's looking ahead to what will be uh, a fall sports season 
Yeah, and that is still in question at this point. So let's be really yeah. clear about that. The coaches right. I've talked to and athletic directors, they're still very worried that we might not have fall sports. So while this is a good first step, it's just that. It's a first step. It doesn't mean that fall sports are back and we're going to have state championships this fall and all is going to be back to normal. But I think it's an important piece of getting back some sort of normalcy. And for team sports, like a lot of us played and a lot of these kids in high school play, you're right. You want to be around your friends. You play these sports to make memories with friends. And when you're by yourself, quote unquote, I'm not sure a lot of these kids have been by themselves. I mean, let's be real. If I'm 17, 18, 16 years old and this is going on right now, I'm still hanging out with my friends. Right. But you're not able to do the things that you are accustomed to doing. And so I think it's an important first step now. What are they actually going to be able to do? You could get on the field. You could run routes. You could play, you know, yeah, air, like agility, football, all that kind drills. of stuff. But you just can't use any of the equipment. So if there's something on the, you know, if you have like the bags on the ground or, you know, agility drills, even for that, you have ropes and stuff like that. All that's off limits. You can't, certainly can't have a football. So how are you going to implement that? I think is going to be the interesting piece for a lot of these schools. And it is important, too, in my eyes. You've got to work back slowly. You know, I don't think you can just expect, you know, even if it was all clear that we're going to come out and, you know, run routes and play seven on seven and play baseball or softball or do all these things. I was back this week. I thought that was interesting. Right. That their softball and baseball for high school, like, you know, sanctioned stuff is back. They're playing their summer sports. And Iowa does play those sports in the summer to begin with. So they had some different timelines there. But we're not doing that here in Illinois. And a big reason for that is Chicago, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm convinced if Chicago was not in the state of Illinois, things would look a lot different. You know, I, I think we would have been back maybe weeks ago in that sense. Maybe there still Definitely. would have been a chance like Iowa has to get back and yeah. play this year. But the reality is the HSA has to weigh Chicago just like it has to weigh the rest of the state. Right. I did not see them breaking off and saying, okay, well – Downstate is fine. Chicago is not. We're going to separate it. And I think that's going to be the big issue going forward here in the fall is downstate, we're pretty good. I think yeah. Champaign's numbers are really, really good. You get further downstate, and there's some counties that have almost no cases and some that have none. And so what? it's not fair to those schools. Yeah. But the reality is I don't see the IHSA separating this and being like, okay, well, Chicago, you can't play football. But the rest of the state can't right. or but, any of the other. I sports. mean, they could position it as because, OK, in our viewing area, we have more of the one or two A schools. Maybe they yeah. break it off and say, OK, it's only one and two A schools that can play three and four A. Sorry, you're bigger oh, in man. population. I mean, that definitely would cause a, a disruption. Oh, but, that would be a big time rift um, for a lot of people. Yeah, it's. I, yeah, I, I feel like it's it's fair in the sense that, you know, either everyone comes back together or, yeah. you know, we, we all take a time out and, you know, hang hang tight. And then are there fans? Are parents allowed to go to games? I think that's an interesting mm -hmm. debate as well. Some of these small schools where literally the field lines up to a cornfield or a grass field or whatever else. You could just line cars up there, and a lot of these schools do. You go down to they do that Tuscola anyway. <laughs> or, yeah, I'm um, trying to think, uh, what is it, Tri-County, I think it is. They're right there. You've got uh, Arthur. You can yeah. I think you can do that in some parts of, of Arthur's field. There's a lot of fields around the area 
that and CGB for sure been there multiple times, especially at the Bement one. They pull the cars like right up to the field. You know, I'm you're surprised just... their like windshields don't <laughs> right. get shattered like being that close. But I think you could still social distance with that. A lot of these other schools, though, that's just not possible. So, yeah. are they willing to play this fall without fans? Are parents willing to not attend the games of their children? to allow them to play that's an interesting debate as well but before we get too far ahead here let's just take it one thing at a time because i think that's the biggest thing of all we've (laughs) got it we've got to get to this return to play guideline first so uh three hour max these are all voluntary by the way i think that's important just like at u of i or wherever else it's it's voluntary in that sense but a three hour max per day and this is really interesting how it's going to be played out the coaches have to take the temperature of the kids every day which is not a big deal there's you know the touchless yeah like sensors the no contact, or no contact thermometers exactly. but where are they getting those that's money they're gonna have to pay for those that. yeah and how do they implement that who gives those tests is it the athletic director is it the coach is it whoever i have yeah. no idea and the coaches it's the onus is on them to write all of this down and keep it in a log that they're gonna have to prove that hey little johnny here or little Susie here doesn't have a temperature of yeah. 100.4 or less, that's the threshold, or any COVID signs. I mean, we're in a new age here. And if you want to play, I think these are the things that you're just going to have to follow. Right. And, and how much are these schools going to follow it? I, yeah. I don't know. I think it's all very, very interesting. I think it's tough, too, because sometimes when you're an athlete, I mean, I know when I was in high school and college playing sports, you were sick and you still went to practice. Right. That was expected. Like, yeah. oh, you have a cold? I'm sorry. No. Like, you showed up and you did the sprints even if you had the flu. But I think today, that's going to change so much now. And I feel like that mentality that has been so ingrained with athletes for, you know, years and years and years is, is going to have to change. And maybe athletes are now, you know, going to have to be more responsible. And, you know, okay, I do have a temperature. I'm not going to come to practice that day. But, I mean, obviously these are high school kids. It's, it's going to be tough. I agree. I, I do think, at least for the foreseeable future, the next, what, one to five years? I don't think that's you too think far that out where there's going to be changes. Where, you know, yeah. these things like you talked about, I think, are going to become the norm for at least some portion of our foreseeable future here. The other interesting thing to me that they released today, a part of these guidelines, you can't do any weightlifting that requires spotting. So like a bench? Yeah. You, you know, usually you want to you spot. You need a, a spotter for a bench. If you want to pull heavy, heavy weights. weights. Yeah. If you want to be like lifting, gaining muscle on a bench press, like you need a You need a spotter. It's you, one of those. You got to have a heavy weight. So then what are, what are they going to do? I mean, are you just going to do more, you know, lean muscle building with, hey, let's go rep out a plate for 20 times or whatever, even at the end of that? Yeah. You're still struggling sometimes. A spotter would be good. So no bench, no squat, like heavy weights, you know, for especially for football. And I realize we're kind of football centric here, but that's what carries the most weight, quote unquote, for our viewing area. For a spot, you want to yeah. squat. You want a spot. You want a squat spot. Yeah. And th- <laughs> these are these are power sports. So this isn't, yeah. you know, a sport like cross country or um just any it's it's a sport that requires you to be physically strong and you need to have those kind of explosive movements and those kind of weight those kinds of workouts mixed into to your training and not being able to go 100 percent with that i'm sure is going to affect how some 
people perform on the field. But it's better than nothing. And cross-country training, it's not going to be a big deal. I mean, those athletes have been out there already. You know, golf is back. So high school golfers can go out and practice. Yeah. That, that can be socially distanced, no problem. I don't see those sports having an issue. Football is the biggest one for me where you're such close contact. You're tackling people. You're around other people. How does that get implemented? How does that play out? I think that's one of the biggest questions I have moving forward is we get towards the fall here and we're not that far out here from practice, like two months away from when high school football practice is supposed to be starting. Now, a lot can change in between then, but if the numbers are where they're at, that's where it becomes really real of are we going to play or are we not? Uh, Phase four is supposed to start at the end of this month, June 26th, somewhere around that area. We'll see if that plays out. I think we might see some looser restrictions from that. But we talked with our COLA athletic director and football coach Nick Lindsay about all of this. And I wanted his perspective because there's not a ton of football coaches and athletic directors in our area. Usually it's one or the other. Certainly at bigger schools, you don't see that very often where uh, the athletic director coaches a sport yeah. as well. But in some small schools like our COLA, that's the case. I think of... Mike Allen up at Gibson City. He's also the football coach in AD and Scott Hamilton at Unity. You know, they have a different perspective because they're they're at the 10,000-foot view of everything in their athletic department and also at the forefront, you know, at the one-foot view of, of leading a program. And so, you know, I wanted to talk with Nick about his perspective on this. He's excited certainly about getting to this step, long-awaited to get to this step, but he also, ser- you know, has some serious concerns and even – playing this fall my initial reaction is i'm i'm excited to be moving in the right direction and um, have a plan that we're able to work with our kids and see our athletes and get our coaches back involved and and most importantly um, get some sense of normalcy for our kids when you look at this what things stand out to you you know um, we're requiring you know all of our all of our coaches to take temperatures and to you know, do all these screening questions and there's just going to have to be a, a lot of uh, responsibility placed on coaches and, and um, making sure we're following directions so we don't have any setbacks. I think, you know, everybody's excited to jump at the bit, but I think it's important to, you know, take it easy and, and do what's right and, and not have to, you know, go back to where we, where we started a couple of weeks ago. As an AD and as also a football coach, is your mind just spinning with all the possibilities now that you've seen something tangible on paper of how are we going to accomplish this? Or are you on the opposite end of like, you know, Hey, we're, we've been preparing for this and we'll, we'll make it happen. Yeah. I mean, we, since we had the NFHS standards, you know, sent to us a few weeks ago by the IHSA, we kind of had an idea of, of what it would look like. And, um, you know, our administration has been great and, and met with me and, um, discuss some of the options that we can do to be most efficient and, and keep our kids safe uh, at the same time. So we're ready for it, um, you know, as I think most schools are. How tough do you think it will be for the kids and even for you coaches to not just go out and pick up a football and do the things that, you know, <laughs> we're so used to doing and accustomed to when we have practice, we have seven on seven this time of year, all those other things that you can go down the list that you're used to doing. Yeah, I think, you know, we're kind of on – we don't do a whole lot um, as far as football-related things other than, you know, a camp or two here and there or seven-on-seven. Seven. So, um, for us, it's not a 
huge difference. Um, but I know there are a lot of schools who use every one of their contact days and, um, you know, that'll definitely be different, but you know, I'm, I'm not a big believer in keeping our kids there for three hours and, and grinding them. And, uh, no, I, I believe in, uh, keeping everything short and concise and, um, you know, getting in and getting out and, and doing what you have to get done to, to be efficient. I know this just came out and you probably haven't talked with the kids yet, but what's your general consensus the last couple of months about how anxious your juniors, you know, this year are to get back out on the field and, and have that last opportunity to play? I, I think they're, they're really anxious. And, uh, you know, they've reached out to me a few times during quarantine, and, you know, and during the downtime, um, you know, just really sometimes just to talk because, you know, they don't have any interaction, you know, really with anybody else. So, um, they're really anxious. And I think, you know, like our new captains and our, our incoming seniors, they're really anxious to, to lead. And I think that they're excited for that. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see what they do too. How nervous are you about what's to come and what could come this fall if there are no sports? What's your general feeling about, you know, if we even will get a chance to play on the field this fall or on, you know, any kind of sport platform? Um, I'm pretty nervous, uh, but, you know, I've drove myself crazy with getting back into the weight room and, you know, all the what ifs and, and you know, the possibilities of what it could be. And, you know, in the end, you've got to you've got to rely on the leaders of, of the state or, you know, of, of the districts or, or whatever it is, whoever's making the decisions. And, you know, I think I think we can um, find some sort of of way to get back on the field in the fall and um you know it, it's really important for our kids and, and our school and you know just the the atmosphere in school to have have kids involved in sports and, and i think that that's one of the most important things that our leaders have to take into consideration when making decisions because um you know i i myself somebody who had to have sports in school um and i think we have a lot of those kids too all right, interesting perspective from Nick Lindsay about how he feels with everything moving forward. A lot more questions than answers, I think, even yeah. after today where they <laughs> did lay out a lot of things. Uh, but we'll see. Yeah. And a, another question is, like, who who's really going to enforce all of this? No you doubt. Know, who is going to be the coronavirus police? Because I could see some coaches saying, like, okay, yeah, this is what the IHSA says, but – it's all right if you want to give your teammate a high five if you want to. Sure. And, and I think that's where it, it, it becomes a little tricky is trying to figure that out and ways to enforce this. And uh, like you said, a lot more questions than answers. But uh, it's it's kind of one of those things where no one's really known how to deal with this situation before. And I think it's a learning process for coaches and players and administrators to kind of figure out how to move forward and and embrace this new normal and that's a great point because think about just a high five it, it's ingrained in what you do you know like you're touching people all the time i think volleyball is a huge oh touch after sport every and encouragement and all that kind middle, of thing yeah. like how is that going to look i think that's something that is up for debate at this point and certainly you're not supposed to do that now with these social distancing guidelines right. but how does that look moving forward yeah. how does the post game handshake look? yeah shaking is, hands is that is gone it- what do we do in place of good sportsmanship? <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess that's not going to happen. If yeah. we had started today, yeah. it wouldn't happen, right? right. Uh, I but guess. if you're all sharing the same ball, why can't you shake hands? I 
I don't know. It's a great question. Who has the answers? (laughs) We'll see. I'm not sure, but a lot more questions, like I said, than answers at this point. All right, Lovey Smith speaks out for the first time on Friday. He's on Lunchtime Live with Mike Tirico on NBC Sports Network, and I had questioned, Marley, are we going to hear from Lovey Smith? You know, so many coaches, so, so many coaches have released a statement. Yep. And that's great. Lovey doesn't. And he's a black head coach, one of the few in the Power Five level. And he doesn't say anything. And so for me, I was questioning. I mean, he's obviously watching the news, right? Yeah. He, he knows what's going on. Why isn't he saying something? And but I think Friday we known got that answer. Lovey not to to talk to I guess the media as much as as other coaches. He he's yeah. not a big social media guy. I mean, he's in his sixties. I I don't think he puts <laughs> out his own tweets. If we're being yeah, I honest, I don't think like, he tweets. Yeah, so it, it didn't like surprise me initially, but I think a lot of us were just kind of waiting for when he was going to say something because so many people in the sports community and the Illinois athletics community have already come forward with releasing their own statements. Right. Brad Underwood released a statement. Josh Whitman released an open dialogue letter that I thought was very insightful. And then here's Lovey, you know, the highest paid employee in the state of Illinois and just silence. (laughs) Now, what I thought he said on Friday was spot on, you know, and I I loved what he said about taking action and words are one thing, but we we need action. We need change. We need reform. And he didn't just talk about it. He had some plans about, hey, this is what we've done. I'm going to encourage my team to get registered to To vote vote, and then go vote and do that. If you don't like what's going on in the world, we live in a place in a country where you can change that, where you have a say, where you have a vote in that. And, you know, you can help put other people in office to change that. And I love that plan. Um, We really have we've seen Lovey open up about some things, but I felt like he was really vulnerable and open. And for me, that was just refreshing to see because we haven't really seen that from Lovey a lot over the years. It was great. It was absolute. It was uh, if I mean, I know we're going to play the full interview here on our podcast, but it is uh, just really great to see that the leadership that he is providing, uh, not just for the University of Illinois, but for just the college football, the sports landscape as a whole. I think what he's, his his mission and his goals beyond the field uh, just show incredible leadership um, with what he, you know he's just trying to do. All right, let's listen to this full interview with Mike Tirico. Uh, on NBC Sports Network earlier this afternoon on Lunchtime Live. Here's Lovey Smith. A few things I think we need to acknowledge, uh, and we can't go much farther until we do this. Systemic racism exists in our world. We have to acknowledge that first before we can go any farther. I've seen it. There's one thing to identify a problem, then is how we change that problem. That's what we've been doing. Hey, Lovey, can you come give me a statement about what's happening in, in your normal world, your normal life? As we look right now at what's, what's going on, um, you know, I've been asked a lot of times, hey, Lovey, can you come give me a statement about what's going on right now? Uh, you know, can you do that? Um, it's, it's so much more than that. Mike, a few things I think we need to acknowledge, uh, and we can't go much farther until we do this. Systemic racism exists in our world. We have to acknowledge that first before we can go any farther. 
I've seen it. There's one thing to identify a problem, then is how we change that problem. That's what we've been doing at the University of Illinois. We're trying to make the world better, but it can't be words. You know, I talk to our players about, hey, you have a right to protest. That's great. That's what college life is all about too, uh, in a mm-hmm. peaceful manner. But then what else do you do? You know, Mike, and that's where we are right now. What else do we do to make football better and to make the world better? And those are conversations that are happening in every city, in a lot of households, a lot of businesses. The acknowledgement of an issue is the beginning, and then how do you take the steps to try and deal with it? And in college yes. football, Lovey, a lot of times we'll we'll judge people on your record. And hey, it was a six and seven win season. Got to a bowl game last year. Illinois football is in a better place than it was. I've never seen the coach who gets retained for. We're turning out better men. We have a better society of football players from school X because this coach has been here for the last three or four years. Do you think that there is more room now to have that as a legitimate part of the conversation and judge people on those who are coming out of your program and not just did you win at Ohio State and what was the point spread against Wisconsin? Do you think we can get closer to that in college athletics? Yeah, I think we can in every walk of life a little bit. But uh, eventually, sports do come down to what's your record. I mean, that's all people really want to know. The the approach I've taken, first off, I've been blessed with an opportunity, you know, to lead NFL teams, of course, to lead college programs. That's what we're talking about is that opportunity. Once you get there, though, in order for me to help the next person that looks like me, the next black person, get that opportunity, the wins and the losses do come up, but it is more than that. And when I say that it's more than that, that's what we're dealing with on a daily basis. Uh, we, at the, I'm just talking about the University of Illinois and what we're doing, what we're looking right. at. Uh, as these discussions happen uh, right now, we have to really look at ourselves a little bit. You know, for, you know, civil rights movement was about, um, you know, uh, eliminating segregation and making this society a more integrated place. As I talk about our program down there, I mean, my platform as I see it, and I'm in a position where I can change a little bit, I look at what we have at the University of Illinois. We're led by a black chancellor, black head football coach. Seven of the 10 assistant coaches are black men. Our director of personnel, our director of man development, our director of high school relations is a black female, our director of academics, so to me, it's about the platform of putting a model together to see exactly, uh, you know, what can happen when you look beyond your normal comfort zone of people and what can get done and seeing people of a different color. But the record eventually comes back to it. I realize that. That's why when we get in positions, we need to do well. We need to do better. The University of Illinois is headed in the right direction. We made progress. We made noise last year. This year is our time to really knock down the door. And we saw a little bit of that with the win over Wisconsin, then ranked sixth in the country when you guys knocked them off. When you have the conversations with your team, yes, how much of an open mind are you seeing and hearing from the players who maybe did not know 
the difficulties that some of their teammates, some of the guys who wear the orange and blue helmet next to them, had gone through before they've arrived at the same spot in that same locker room, eventually Zoom call for right now, uh, that everybody else has arrived at? Well, Mike, you know, with, with our football team, I mean, they've seen what we've been doing all along. It's not like we're going to have to change an awful lot. But I think it has opened a lot of our, of, our, of us, our eyes to what's happening, not necessarily mm -hmm. just at the University of Illinois, but with everyone else. And what I've always talked about last election, guys, be informed. This is a true way to make, to for people to hear your voice. Right now, I see a lot of protests. Protests are good. Then what do we do? It's like uh, there's a death, there's a funeral, and everybody leaves. Right. And after the funeral, the next day, everybody goes home. What we're doing, what I'm going to insist on, first off, our, all of our guys register to vote. But th that's just a part of it, registering to vote. Be informed. If you don't like what's going on right now, and we in America has acknowledged that we don't like what's going on right now, we have to look at first our leader. Do you like the policies that he has in place? Congress, uh, local governments. This is how you have true change. And for us, uh, I'm going to get back to make sure that people, they're informed. And I think a little bit on what's going on right now, a lot of people are saying that, well, I didn't know. I think we all know right from wrong. Uh, we have, you know, I listened to a little bit of Joe Namath before. We've all been taught that. And I think most of us really do know right from wrong. And uh, again, that's what we've been preaching. We're going to continue to do that uh, with our program. There's diversity. And the only way to make real change is we come together. Diversity does that. And you look at all the different areas. You know, Mike, the NFL right now is, is, is you know, everybody's talking NFL. The, there's only three black coaches. There are yeah. only two GMs. Uh, there's no black owner. That's important. But you look at college football also. When you talk about systemic racism a little bit, there are programs, college programs, where you can have a one-time transfer rule in place where guys can transfer where, and, and be eligible. There are other sports like football and basketball where you can't. I think mm -hmm. as you keep looking in detail a little bit, why are there different rules for different people? And I think that's what we get to right now a little bit. You know, we had, you haven't, you know, mentioned George Floyd, uh, Ahmaud. Arbery, uh, Brianna Taylor, uh, you know, that's kind of seen right there. Everybody acknowledges that that is bad, but it goes so much right. deeper than that. And that's what we're trying to change. Sports definitely can. I mean, force forces us to get to know each other, and you can see that there can be some great positive things happen. Lovey Smith with some powerful thoughts about how he's responded to George Floyd's death last Monday, how our country has responded to that, how he's going to encourage his athletes to respond to that, and then also give them the respect that, hey, you should have an opinion on this, and it's okay to speak out. And I think that's one of the biggest takeaways that I've had, and, and I've just tried to listen a lot, Marley, the last week for yeah. me personally. I just want to listen. I want to learn. I, I don't fully understand, but that doesn't mean that I can't learn more about it. That doesn't mean that I can't be better about this. And for me, that action is when you see something, say something. Yeah. And that's where the change needs to start. And so listening to all of these people come out across our country and across our nation for different reasons and speaking up to me has been so encouraging about a better future, about our country rising together in a sense. 
and loving more. And for me, that's been my biggest takeaway out of all of this is, yes, there's a huge need. There's a huge inequality. And we need to change that in our country for us to be the country that I think we can be and that we should be. Yeah. And I think us as white people, like you mentioned, we we don't understand what it's like to be oppressed um and a lot that i've been hearing just from you know the different statements that people in the sports community and just across the country have been saying is it's not enough just to be uh not racist you have to actively be anti-racist and i think that's almost like the approach that i've kind of had my whole life because i grew up in a very i guess diverse community so i don't think racism was as prevalent where i grew up because i grew up in south florida so my neighbors were black hispanic asian uh and i don't think there was ever really issues of racism but then coming to to different communities and you know i've traveled around the country and now meeting more people and hearing more perspective it's becoming more prevalent that okay yes it is not enough just to be not racist you have to be anti-racist for there to be some kind of change and i think that's the step that a lot of people are taking towards to make this world a better place yeah and we have to have those tough conversations we have to confront mm-hmm. wrongs and inequities and i loved earlier this week talking with uh, danville football coach marcus forrest and boys basketball coach Darrell robinson and you know Darrell just said look this is this isn't necessarily a black and white issue it's a right and wrong issue mm-hmm. you know that we need to rise up and be better than this and this is a lot of generations in the past, right. right? And unfortunately, these things take time. And are we better than where we were in the 60s from what I've learned and read? Yes. But that doesn't mean that we're there yet. You know, yeah. just because we had a black president doesn't mean we're we're there and that there's no, you know, racial inequity in our country, you know, and yeah. that this is big time issue and it needs to be corrected and it needs to be fixed and in sports particular i think it can have a huge avenue towards that when we have our stars in sports speaking out when you have the highest paid employee at illinois and lovey smith who you know is in charge necessarily of a hundred plus people you know and especially those you know a large portion of those athletes that he coaches are african-american and he has a huge influence in that and i think it can be both ways. You know, people that are just everyday people can have a part in that. Just the same as our celebrities and our people of uh, greater influence can have a say in that, yeah. right? In casual conversation with someone, calling that out, you know, and saying, hey, this is not okay. You know, you need to be better than this. We have to be better than this. And then for our people who have platforms on a higher scale to also do that and i think that's been encouraging for me is that now this is hopefully becoming more of the conversation with that of hey there there's a wrong here there's an injustice here and we need to make it right both racially and police wise yeah and i think sports are are so powerful in this sense because i've been seeing so much about how uh, you know, football and basketball, these are sports that are, are dominated mostly by black men. But at the same time, there is so much of this inequality and oppression that's happening in our country. But these people are also the same ones that are, are glorified on a Sunday night playing yeah. football. But how is that? You know, people are cheering them on. There's thousands of people cheering when this person scores a touchdown, gets a slam dunk. But they're not afforded the same opportunities in everyday life. Yeah, absolutely. And that 
is what needs to change in that mm-hmm. sense, you know, and, and it's, it's a mindset and it's rising up into this next generation. And that's what I enjoy talking uh, with the Danville coaches about who are both black and saying, look, they feel a responsibility of rising up and, and teaching young people and lovey the same thing, you know, I mean, yeah. lovey's dealing with a little bit older from 18 to 23 in a sense, but like, that's still that next generation. I mean, lovey's 62, right? That's two yeah. generations in between there where he's having an influence on that. And I, I think that's so important. And I think sports can, you know, certainly be a part of that, but it's so much bigger than sport. Right. I mean, I, I feel like it's, Sports, yes, may be a part, but like this is human life, yes. right? Like sports is nice, it's fun, it's so so much a part of of what we are and what we do and what we like in this country. And for us, you know, for me, yeah. sports is is huge in my life. But we're talking about real life things here. Yeah. We're talking about a man died in Minnesota. You know, the, these are lives, not just sports. And I think there's the difference there of like a bigger viewpoint of oh. that. Absolutely. And I'm saying, too, that sports can be a vehicle for change. If maybe the world had the same locker room mentality of a football team, of a basketball team, of a volleyball team, where it doesn't matter where you come from, the color of your skin, everyone's here for a common goal to win a game or whatever it may be. And I think that is is a valuable life lesson in the sense. I also talked to Urbana basketball head coach uh, Verdell Jones, and he talked about the same thing that, you know, sports is is a way for us to come together. We we all have our differences. Everyone has their own opinions, but this is something that we can all unite with. And I think that is an important message that people can take into their everyday life as well. Yeah. And that's what I've really enjoyed seeing in our country the most people uniting coming together and social media being a huge platform for that, you know, and, and people rising together despite our differences, despite mm-hmm. our viewpoints and opinions and everything else. If we can all come together and rally around a common point, I think it will make the whole world a lot better. So I don't know. It's been yeah. interesting. It's it's yeah. an interesting time. And I think with everything going on without sports, I think more people are paying attention to what's going on, which is, Maybe important and as unfortunate as it was, uh, you know, that George Floyd died because of that, um, you know, hopefully and it's my prayer, at least that some good can come out of that as, as terrible of a situation as that was. Yeah. So uh, it's going to play a big part in everything that's moving forward here. And I hope that just like with COVID changing a lot of things for the future, I hope that maybe this can be the time where a lot of things can be changed for moving the forward. Yeah. So. All right. Well. We didn't know what we were going to talk about. Yeah, there always Wednesday. seems to be something that comes <laughs> up at the beginning of the week. I'm like, oh man, like nothing's really going on. What are we going to talk about this week on the podcast? And then by Friday, here we are. Here we are, like too many things to talk about. <laughs> we made it. All right. Well, thanks to uh, NBC Sports for giving us that courtesy uh, to play that Lovey Smith audio. Thanks yeah. to Nick Lindsay for sharing his perspective on sports coming back at least in a sense of the high school side let's hope we can get fall sports back i think that would be so so great to see and and certainly would be devastating for these senior athletes if they couldn't get to play football as and it's already been tough you know losing the spring sports in that sense but we'll see we never know what's gonna happen let's hope for the best that's right hope for the best and, and hope for change and uh you know continue to to listen learn and uh love each other more every day for Marley, I'm Brett. We'll do it again next week on the 3-in-1 Podcast.